Growing up in a church environment, Liju was exposed to countless volunteering opportunities. Unlike many others who graduate with a mandatory 40 hours of volunteering hours, Liju finished with 500 hours of volunteering by the end of high school. Through hours of volunteering, Liju developed his personal value of curiosity, adventure, and passion. With a burning desire to share his passion for volunteering, he dropped out of university and co-founded Meaningful Work to enable company to start thinking about corporate social responsibility by engaging organizations and their people in volunteerism. Liju is the BC 30 Under 30 and won first place at the Entrepreneurs Organization Global Student Entrepreneurship Award in 2021. Here is our conversation. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Yo, um, anyways, w- welcome to the to the podcast, Liju. Appreciate it. Woohoo! We had a ten minute intro to start the podcast. This is yes. great. Um, I, I want to talk. I want to let you talk more about your stories. Um, mm. You know, more on how you grew up and how you you know ended up starting this business. And I, through our conversation, I sort of heard that you, you were um, sort of entrepreneur entrepreneur growing up. You were selling pens at at school, and you know was quite doing unconventional things. Um, so I, I love, I love, I love to hear the story of you selling pens uh, when you were in elementary school, elementary school. Yeah. Um, that's a funny story. So I was yeah. like grade three or grade four. Um, and there was a bit of a trend. Go- it actually ended up becoming a trend, but there was a couple or a uh, few, few folks um, in our, in our grade school. And I mean, Asian kids always had like the coolest pen or pencils, right? There's always students that get the basic like orange pencils with the like pink rubber, and it was kind of okay. But at least the Asian kids that flew back and forth between Asia, they had like even today. I think like all the stationary stuff, everything is so much like better in Asia. Um, so essentially, like that's kind of like what I did, right? It's like I had a lot of like Asian stationary stuff from when I actually came back in Korea the year before and all my friends were like oh like that's really cool like where do you get that it's like oh I got it from Asia it's like you know it's, it's my white friends right they, they, they've never been to Asia right it's like oh yeah. like, how can I get that it's like you can't it's you can only get that through me right um so one thing that I, I had early on was the concept of money uh because my parents made me go buy a lot of things for them like you know you're doing task and favors like oh lead you like go buy some bread we need bread for this morning and you know, i'd go out and buy bread and i would understand like how much a dollar value um an item would have uh luckily or maybe unluckily for them like a lot of them didn't understand like the, the power of money or what money was so uh, a lot of my friends just started like offering me money just like oh like i want to give you like 10 bucks for that and my friend was like oh i have a, I have a 20 like do you want a 20 bucks and it kind of it just kind of going up like that so like i think like the most expensive like like a dollar pen i've sold was like for 50 bucks because i don't know people kept like bidding for it like everybody kind of <laughs> wanted it uh and then it, then it became a trend throughout our, kind of our entire grade year for everyone to sell like school supplies so people would sell school supplies for like 10 cents and other you started people the trend sell, like, me and like a couple other kids, like there was definitely other kids who were kind of just like a little bit more. It's like they kind of saw what was going on. It's like, oh, like I could all sell it too, and it, it be, yeah. and for them, it, it kind of became like an interesting like bartering system, uh, because as a kid, that's all you do, right? Like you trade a lot of stuff, like oh, like I'll trade you my sandwich for your like for yeah. roll ups, or a lot of that happens, right? So like a lot of that already like pre existed in terms of, like snacks. It was just like now there was like money in play, as well as. Uh, obviously our, our, our school supplies yeah. um so this became kind of a bit of a trend and obviously you know supply demand the more supply there is the cheaper things got and okay. i kind of stepped away from it because like you know kids are selling their school supplies for five ten cents if i needed anything obviously i'll i'll yeah. buy it because it's the price is low but eventually we got yeah. in trouble with the principal okay. um like had to satter an entire like half half the school down because a lot of kids <laughs> were just you know your parents bought you your school supply you'll probably need that school supply for whatever activities upcoming and right. it's like everyone's just selling it for the sake yeah. of money so 
the principal had to get in the way and have to had to stop us. Um, uh-huh. Did did, did so you got really how- famous in school? Like at the time when you were selling it, I wouldn't say I got famous. Um, it was more so like no, I, I've always been a bit of a weird kid, but um, I don't know. It it, it was short lived. Like it was like maybe a month thing at max. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, like we got shut down fast. Like principal saw, like teachers saw it. Principal knew about it. Shut down like the week after. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty fast like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, How old were you at the time? Grade four, man. So grade four must have been like when I was like, I was like 10, 10, 11. Oh. Yeah, pretty young. Did, did you realize you were, you were actually like sort of doing a business at the time? Um, I didn't understand the concept of business, but I, under, I understood the concept of selling because my grandparents would take me to a lot of farmer's market or there's like always at parks, like someone who like bulk buy cherries and I go to a park and sell it out of their trunks, like $12 a bag. I'm just, I, and I was like, I was telling them like, why are we not doing that? Like, we're, cause we're buying from them too, right? It's like, oh, why are we not doing that? That seems like such a simple concept. Um, so I think I've always been like a little bit business in mind as a kid and a bit entrepreneurial, um, growing up. But I think with that, I also really enjoy like the, like doing inventions, like, mm. I remember getting my first solar panel. It was like super small, like oh. And then what I would do is like I would I had like a toy motor, and I would tie that solar panel to a toy motor, and then like I would create it so like the motor is tied to the wheels, and then every time it got sunlight, it would just like move. And I thought that was really wow. Cool, so. that, that's a that's I I had a concept in mind where if every car has a solar panel then every car does not need to be charged and there will be basically infinite energy. That was kind of <laughs> stupid, but, but yeah, the, you sort of created the, the first prototype of that. Like if there's enough sunlight and there's a battery to store right. uh, the energy, you don't need anything. You, you just yeah. can go forever. Yeah, it could go forever. Obviously, the you'd you'd have some issues because as solar, I I quickly learned to realize that solar panels get really hot really fast, yeah. and you probably get cooked in that car if you put solar panels on top. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like I really enjoyed a lot of like science fairs. Like I think uh-huh. my most memorable science fair was in grade seven, and uh-huh. what I created was like a windmill where the windmill spins, and when it spins enough time, it was stored into battery, and okay. then that battery can be used to like. Um, like light up a light bulb, and right. I, so I think, like especially my dad, like really, and a lot of like my teachers expected me to become either an engineer mm. or um, like going to sciences. Uh, but I decided to go the other route because I've quick, very quickly learned to understand that the sciences don't really make much money. Engineers like do pretty well in the world, but it was just like too much unnecessary work especially through school i've had right. so many friends drop out of like uh, the engineering program at ubc and sfu so uh, when did you I realize math, um probably grade 11 uh oh, okay I, I was i was in a physics class and like i almost failed it i mean part of the reasons like i was running a club back then and i just okay. never cared to like because like math and anything math related is just practicing enough times after you understand the concept, but I couldn't just prioritize it into my life. It was just too boring, just repeating the con like practicing the concept onto different like equations. So yeah, um, I had a we have a substitute teacher, so just he's really smart, um, just like old white guy. Just I I like to think he's a math genius. But he always used to tell the class like, math and mathematicians are are cheap and lazy. And when he said lazy, it, he said if if they want to solve a prop an equation, they use like the least amount of steps, and yeah. and and make it the easiest way possible in order to get to the end goal. So mm-hmm. I take some inspiration from that actually. Uh, so for me, like if. If I wanted to make money and that was my goal, like I didn't have to do all that school for me to be successful or rich, however you define it. Um, and I kind of felt like while 
entrepreneurship is definitely not an easy trail or I don't know. There's not a trail to begin with, mm-hmm. but an easy journey. Um, but it definitely is a bit of a rewarding and exciting mm. um, life, perhaps. Yeah, to live. yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I guess you know after elementary school and selling pens, um, w- when did you start uh, getting into volunteering? Um, honestly, like all my life, I I. Grew up in a church environment, and we've done okay. volunteering quite a bit. So, I f- I feel like giving back was a huge like was a huge part of me. As I mean, it was forced, obviously, right? Like no kid wants to just like wake up one morning, go to church very early, and like, hey, this week we're you know talking to homeless people and like giving out food. I mean, as you get older, those things feel nice. When you're younger, you just you're kind of just like naive and you have no mm-hmm. idea what's going on. It's like, oh. Cool. I guess we're giving out some hot dogs to some like mm. some like smelly people. I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely got like more involved in volunteering. Um, I mean, a part of it in the Canadian school system is that it's a requirement for you to graduate, right. so it's like about sixty hours. But yeah, um, once I did those sixty hours, uh, I got a like I got a. I was very interested in like how communities function, because um, I was like going to like a lot of like civic events or a lot of just like community-led events like it's very skill share fair was one that i went to it's just like when residents of our city just come together and like try to teach each other new skills like there was someone tra- teaching knitting i was teaching dancing others were teaching how to paint or or how to compose and i thought that you was were teaching a- dancing yeah i was teaching dancing like before before i, I got into like entrepreneurship right. or my nonprofit. I built my confidence through dancing. I feel like the equivalent shit, version of crazy, that right man. now is like working out. But yeah, I, I danced to build confidence. Did you chose to and, do it? Uh, did I choose to do it? I'll be honest with you. When I very, like, I, I did dancing like very early on, like in the elementary, like I, I got in, I did some dancing there. And like in high school, I did some dancing. I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I've only done dancing because I thought they were like pretty girls. <laughs> I was like, yo, this is it. like if I if I can like surround myself with them like for long enough, like I'm sure like it, it could potentially go somewhere. Yeah. Um, obviously it didn't. Um, and I got to make a lot of good friends along the way. And but yeah, like uh, dancing is like one of those things where I would encourage anyone to learn because like it's the way we celebrate singing and dancing is the way you know past generations and even now continue to celebrate. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's how I built my confidence. Uh, I did a lot of like freestyle, uh, popping and hip hop, and kind of the mindset that I was in was, if I can go up to a bunch of random people and start dancing out of nowhere, like pitching is so much easy. Like pitching is nothing. All I have to do is like memorize a script yeah. and just yeah, and 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 tell everyone about it. Um, like everything else, like it was so so much easier. So I was like, oh, if I could dance, like. Everything else kind of just fell in place with the confidence I built up from it. So that was a challenge for you. You sort of challenged yourself to do the dancing so that you can build your confidence. Were you comfortable when you were dancing? No, I was very uncomfortable. Uh, someone, t- someone told me like fake it until you make it, and that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I made it into my school dancing. You know, I was just like acting like I knew something, and I had no idea what's going on. Um, but aside from that, I think I brought a good energy. Like something I'm starting to understand now, right? Uh, it's like the way people uh, like to interact with people is like based on their energy. So like I follow a lot of like gym influencers at the moment, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and like all they are is like sure, like you know they might they may be matey and like they they seem like they work out quite a bit, <laughs> but it's really just like all the energy that they bring to the table. So yeah, um, yeah. I think that's what I did really well. Like when I was like going to dance, it's like sure, like there was a part of me that's just like. Uh, like I, I, I had some interest in dance. Like, wow, dance seems like really cool. All the cool Asian kids were doing it, as well as like, oh, like there's a lot of pretty girls in in dance. But uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I think all I did was just like fake it till you make it. That confidence, and then just like bringing the kind of the right energy, and then maybe a bit of luck as well. Mm, nice. And and coming back to the um, to the volunteering, so. Um, a- after you completed the high school requirements, did you end up doing more, and, and did you ended up falling in love 
in it. What did you find it uh, so meaningful? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was only supposed to do like 60 hours and I ended up graduating with about like 500 hours. 500? Uh, yeah. Wow. I that, probably that's quite had crazy, the man. most volunteer hours I recorded for my graduating class. Uh-huh. Um, so it's funny, right? Because in, in my school, you're either volunteering, you're either doing sports, or you stay home, play a lot of video games, or you're, or you're working a job. Mm. Um, if I were to redo it again and choose like one or two, I would probably just continue to volunteer again. Oh, really? Not making money no, or, or doing like a The job. return on investment is on volunteering when you're young is insane. Like no oh, one really? knows this, but the oh, younger you volunteer, because you, one, like when you're young, you don't have a network. When you volunteer, you build a network very quickly. And because you're so young, most people want to help you. And, and it's like, wow, like, what a great person lead you. You, you want to give back despite not having much. Uh, mm. Or you want to give back because you see good in the world. Mm. Um, so you meet, you meet like-minded people depending on like where you volunteer. Mm. Uh, and the second part of that is like, uh, it looks good on a lot of resumes if you do volunteer. Mm. And every time I say like, I have like, I'm at this point, I'm probably like, I'm past 500 and closer to a thousand, but whenever you, at least in Canada, you say you volunteer, it's like, uh, it's, it's looked well upon and mm-hmm. a lot of employers also take it as like work experience. And then mm-hmm. for me, like I got, I did the math on like how much scholarship money I got versus mm-hmm. the time I've put into it. Mm-hmm. And let's say I was working on a very like average, like minimum wage, wage job. Uh, and then, you know, if we multiply 500 by like 12, 13, like right. through scholarships alone, I've made much more money out of it. Obviously, it's like I don't have, I don't instantly get the money, but definitely I saved a lot of money going to school mm. because mm. I volunteered. Okay. Um, and you have Did stories you... to tell with volunteering, right? Mm, um, yeah, that's true. You give back to X cause because this, it's important to you for various different reasons as well as... Um, you get to work on a lot of different like projects, uh, a lot of different. You can yeah play many different roles and and I think that's like you get to try a lot of things. Is kind of what I'm getting to, but you can yeah. you can do anything by volunteering. Uh, yeah. You can be a you can be a VC as a really? volunteer too. That's well, how I what, got my what, VC experience. Oh shit! What what were some of your most meaningful volunteer experience? Maybe just tell me about the VC uh, volunteering experience. Yeah. Did you do that when you were in the high school? Actually, university. Okay. So it's like a student-run fund, um, and obviously there's not much money in it. But something I've learned early on is like, I mean, much of your early career is just titles. Uh, I, in high school, I started a nonprofit because like when I just told them I'm Liju, I'm a high school student, no one took me seriously. Um, but when I tell people I was like Liju. I'm the founder of a local development club, which was the club that I ran. And like, we do this and this, like people took me a lot more seriously. Uh, same thing for the, the social, uh, the, the, the fund that I was part of. Um, obviously we didn't have a lot of money, but people took us very seriously. And I was able to interview a lot of, um, entrepreneurs and in, in Vancouver to, and very much learn, um, all the processes from doing, from scouting to due diligence and, the whole investment process so mm. um again like i didn't get paid for it but it's like uh it's like apprenticeship right like which is which is not a common uh it's not a common concept anymore like for example if you wanted to be a swordsmith you'd be a you'd be an apprentice and you'd learn from someone who after experience right. and i think the, the modern day example of that is if you want to learn something new and you want to learn from master as you you do it through volunteering it's kind of like the way i've like kind of framed out like what volunteering is and perhaps should look like to the general public yeah i I guess for you the learning especially when you're young um a lot of people probably wouldn't pay you to do the job because we're underqualified but if we're if you offer to volunteer that's providing uh, additional value to them and you're able to reach people that you wouldn't normally reach and get the learnings um, from those roles. I guess, I guess that's what you benefit benefited yeah. a lot at the time. Yeah, 
And especially when you're young, like money is not very important. Like you don't need a lot of money. You're living right. with your parents anyways, right? So like yeah. it it makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, like for me, like right now, um, there's a bit of a side gig I'm doing, just helping out with an entrepreneurship network and just mm. helping them set up events, doing some graphics and stuff like that. And all of that started with me in high school and just oh. doing um well I was I was a participant in one of their programs, but also uh you know, I just offered some help, like, hey, I can help with this and that. And oh. much of that, by doing that, I was able to build experience. Obviously, a huge component of that was also building trust. And then now I get, you know, I have a bit of a side gig to do when I, in my spare time. So, okay. So the relationship even carry through for like four or five years. That's amazing, man. Yeah. So good. It's a great relationship building piece because something you also learn while you're volunteering is like people who do give back tend to be either well off or like well connected or mm. like like a lot of older folks especially tend to volunteer quite a bit because they, they've either retired oh. or have some extra time and and mm. at least for me it was a great opportunity to like network with people who've done well in life mm-hmm. yeah for sure um and so after you got the scholarship you you uh attended university and i just want to make sure the timeline is correct did you um start your business before you drop out or after uh so meaningful work started as a bit of a side project to support mm-hmm. um kind of we support nonprofits, support our community. Um it was never and it was like never it wasn't like fully meant to be a business, but we saw business potential and then I dropped out. So meaningful mm-hmm. work started before and then it just to support the community and then it, it had a bit of traction. And I saw traction and I got so tired of online school. It was just because I, I was a kid who showed up to class, not to do actual class, but just to sit next to like classmates mm-hmm. and just like a bit of do a bit of networking. I was, I was mm-hmm. that kid. I was a mm-hmm. typical like annoying business kid that just went around and just networked. Okay. Um, and for me, like once that component was gone, uh, yeah, it was just like, oh, I'm paying so much money so teachers okay. can play a YouTube video yeah. or some yeah. pre recorded lecture. It just it wasn't worth it, so I dropped out and started me. Okay. Work. Okay, sounds good. I, I'm gonna go into detail for those both stories. So, sure. tell me a little bit more about how the the project meaningful work get started, and how did you meet your co-founders? Yeah, the co-founder part's interesting. We can, uh, at least for Raj and I, like we've heard about each other. Uh, Raj is a couple years older than I, and every time I apply for the award, I saw Raj one a couple years ahead. <laughs> and eventually it got to a point where like, I caught up, like especially in university where we were both applying for the same thing. So I've always heard, heard about Raj. Actually, one of my mentors like uh, also recommended me to like reach out to Raj. So I knew Raj for since like grade 10. Like I've probably known him, like known grade him, 10. known about wow. him since like for about like five years until we actually like sat down and, um, and just one day just called me. It was like, hey, Liju, like, would you be interested in this? So that's how I met my co-founder, Raj. Um, the way we started again was uh, just, you know, we, we're people who want to give back. We, uh, we're quite active in the nonprofit space and, and, and just like the impact space as well. We're, we're just uh, young individuals who want to give back, well, who want to do well for themselves, but in, in a way that changes the world. Um, but, you know, just, Started the side project to support nonprofits because nonprofits were going through a huge transition phase. Mm. Uh, a lot of people were bored at home and had nothing to do, and and others were laid off and just and needed something to fill the time. So we we did a bit of matchmaking between volunteers and nonprofits based on mm. where they could give and where they needed help. Mm-hmm. And then from was there, there like an event or a conversation when you decided to start doing that? Um. Yeah, it definitely became a little bit more serious, like, because, like, we had, like, five, six co-founders, and, like, people kept joining, and then eventually James joined as well, and then it got serious, like, when, we, when like, we, deci- we decided to, like, start kicking people out, it was like, okay, like, mm. we want to take this seriously, like, are you also taking it seriously? Other people were like, ah, oh, no, not really, like, this is great as a side project, while others were um, on personal issues, and from there, we, we shorten it down to three which is kind of where we're at um and yeah 
that's how we've been kind of moving forward. So I think that was the point where we started like figuring out like who was in and who was not. Mm-hmm. This this yeah. your other two co-founder also had like a history like you, um, five hundred thousand volunteer hours. Um, did you all have like share the same mission when you first started? Yeah, Raj is very much like me in terms of like volunteering. Um, but for him, he does more like he does, I find I find that he does like more like technical have done more technical stuff. Mm. Like he's like an engineer, and like that's kind of what he's good at. Like while I'm more so like good at just like bringing people together, setting up an organization. Uh, James, for example, also had he had a mix of the two. Like he started like a club in university, as well as uh, I mean, all Comsai students have to do a lot of side projects, so he had experience doing those side projects. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely a good mix of uh, values. Well, there's a common value of like wanting to do good in the world, mm-hmm. as well as uh, and then a good mix of like uh, different skill traits that yeah. uh, that complements each other. Uh-huh, nice. And and uh, who who was your first customer um, that used your product, and and what was your reaction like? Yeah, um, I guess just in terms of users, like we had volunteers and nonprofits to begin with. Um, and a lot of them were excited until like they realized like our platform was super buggy and they couldn't do exactly what they wanted. Uh, so it, it felt good initially. It was like, oh wow, like because we had great designs. Like that's what we wanted to be known for, especially right. the nonprofit sector is usually like super outdated in terms of design, and we wanted to kind of leverage that to be like, hey, like look how beautiful our platform is. But um, that was short lived as soon as like the platform like parts of the platform wasn't working and and users were getting roadblocked. Uh, in terms of actual paying customers, uh, we had a few companies that came on. Uh, and yeah, we had some challenges there as, as well. Uh, initially, like everything looked good, um, but there was like a product market fit issue where when we very first started, what we focused on was skilled volunteering. So mm. that's more, that tends to be more so like Hey, if you have a background in finance, like could you support a nonprofit with your finances? If you have, you know, if if you know how to make websites, like is that something you could help out with a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. And we very quickly learned that companies didn't want to, or employees of companies didn't want to go out in the community and volunteer for what they do as work. Right. Uh, so we've now transitioned into a point where we, we do more casual volunteering with them. That's a little bit less like their work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. And uh, um, going back to to you know when you start k- kicking people out, and and there's the three three of you, and and you're getting really serious um, with the company. Is that the point where you considered dropping out? Yeah. Once you start getting serious, then I dropped out. Well, was the decision easy? Yeah. It's quite easy. Honestly, it was quite easy. Like I just here's the thing, right? Like I I didn't I never liked school. I never fit well within school. Um, I really enjoyed the extracurriculars, but a lot of the extracurriculars I was getting wasn't always from school as well. Um, the the component I liked the most was like meeting new people and and making new friends and right. uh, I, there was a lot of competitions that I really liked because I'm a really competitive person. Uh-huh. Um, but the academic thing is like never resonated with me. Like even now I, when I'm building my own company, I think the only thing that was actually helpful is like some of the accounting class I've taken, but that's about it. Everything in marketing was a bit outdated. Um, HR is like not very practical when it, when it comes to like startups, uh, operations, it's kind of like, you know, you forget about it. And when you're creating your own startup, you create your own operations. Like right. you learn about like all these different concepts. And when it comes to actual applying things, like, I don't know, like I very like quickly learned to realize like, there's, there wasn't much I, I I could actually apply, um, so I mean I even thought about like going back to school, um, kind of where I am right now, but I don't think that's necessary at least for now. Um, uh, a, a lot of the people, I, I guess many of the university students go through the same thing. Even me, I did not find the um, academic part enjoyable. Um, what kept me in school was several things. First of all. Um, is the tuition that I paid. I don't want to 
to let that be a sunk cost. But I guess for you, yeah. it's it's a uh, it's a scholarship, so that's a bit easier. And second thing yeah. is pressure from parents. Um, they've saved up for the entire life to send you to school, and you have this sort of pressure to make sure that your parents are are getting rewarded, or like your 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 diploma can be a sign of success for the family in general. And third point is you don't want to be an anomaly. Like, what are you going to do after you're dropping out, right? Um, yeah. Did you, like, was those ever a, a factor for you? Yeah, I definitely a lot of pressures for my parents as well because, uh, I mean, we're immigrants and um, yeah. they very much believe, like, keys, uh, or, sorry, school is, like, the key to success or at least, like, some stability. Mm. Um, so I very much understand that mindset. I had to like spend a lot of time and trying to get them understand like they can't bring like Eastern rules to a Western board game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still get pressured now. Like my grandparents, and my parents are constantly pressuring me. I I have to uh, kind of block that out uh, as a way to kind of just move forward. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do understand is like regardless of whether I go to school or not at this point, I'll still land a job and, and do just as well. I think. Um, Obviously, like for me, the money part was not an issue because I just didn't have to pay for anything. So I didn't feel like I was losing anything, (laughs) which sounds like, which I was quite privileged to. And I don't want to sound like a prick about it, but that is just how it was for me. Um, And for me, like, I've always kind of know like what I want to do. I mean, I know worst case, like, like, I don't want to work for someone for the rest of my life. And and if I could do it now, great. Like I, I could take the risk because I'm young and I could give that a try. Perhaps it doesn't work out now and maybe there'll be another calling later in life where I could actually do that. And maybe I'll have to work for someone. But mm-hmm. I just understand that I'm at a point where I, I could try. Like there's no hurt in trying. Yeah. And then it seems like even then, if you tried and failed, if you, if you come out of it alive and you're fine and you just go look for a job, a lot of people recognize that as a success. It's like, I just talked to random people mm. uh, and like a lot of HR people. And like, yeah, like that's amazing. Like, you started your own company. Mm. You raise, you raise like almost like half a million and mm. you're able to accomplish not exactly what you wanted at the end, but uh, some level of success. So, right. Um, did did you have to explain your, your startup concept to your parents? Yeah. When you were, too many Did times I I don't think they like I don't think they get it. And I actually most people that like that know about meaningful work, I don't think they fully understand it either. Cause like the question I get is like, how do you make money off volunteering? It's just like it's like yes, but like not quite. Like we make money off companies that want to volunteer and we help manage that entire process. But most people get to a point where just like like so like people are paying to volunteer at companies. It's like a you could imagine how difficult it's it, it may be with especially me having to explain in korean um because yeah. my korean like, <laughs> it's like it's okay but like I, it's not like sufficient where i can talk business um so my grandpa i had like a probably like a two three hour conversation with my grandma trying to like really help her like understand what i'm doing um right. but part of me like has given up like maybe they'll never get it mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe yeah, one day yeah, we'll yeah. see yeah but but it's I would imagine um, once you drop out, the the pressure sort of it's on you now. You made the decision, and to to do your startup full time, and it's your job to make it work. Um, did you feel a lot of pressure after that? Uh, to do well, yeah, for sure. Because um, uh, like I I felt a lot of like internal pressure, like pressure for myself, because I knew like everyone had high expectations of me throughout school. Like everyone expected me to do well, like before going to university, and everyone expected me to do well, like coming out of university. Obviously, I came out of university the different path, um, and I still deal with it right now. Just like when I see other friends, and like they're just like doing super well, uh, I feel like very much behind, um, and like I feel like I'm not meeting my expectations. But you know, I'm also coming to understand like. I'm, yeah, I'm 23 right now. Like anywhere I go, I'm still the youngest person in the room, and I still have a lot of time to figure it out. So mm. I do have some of that pressure, um, but I, I don't know. I just keep like telling myself like it's okay. 
Yeah. I'm I'm getting to a habit of that. Yeah. Um and I mean, you know, if meaningful work doesn't work out and, and my next startup doesn't work out, I'll find a job and and maybe like I'll give you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there. I don't yeah. ever like time to time I think it's like uh a shrinking window of opportunity, but there's definitely things that are that are always going to be there, like school for example. Right. And there's definitely things that won't always be there. For example, like a startup opportunity. You may miss your timing by the time you graduate. So mm. yeah. Right. Yeah, that that's sometimes like when you're doing things on your own, you really have to build a very strong mentality to keep you going and, and stop giving giving a fuck about whatever other people are saying. Um, yeah, that, that, that's Discipline's that's not huge. easy, man. Yeah, especially when you no. decided to drop out at such an early age, it's very difficult. And and I want to ask um, if you don't mind, when was the toughest time um, when when you're building meaningful work? Uh, I think a couple. There's maybe two or three that comes to mind. One of if them. You can was, t- just tell one story. Uh, I think a really tough time was like, like we had like less than like a thousand dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like none of our money was coming in. Like our cash flow was kind of messed up, and um, like some of the grants that we were supposed to get, like we were still waiting on, and then as well as like people needed to get paid, uh. And we weren't sure if we needed to like fire people because we just have no money. Uh, I think that was the toughest, just like knowing that you've built this relationship with all these awesome people that have come to join your ship to build this yeah. amazing product that you truly yeah. believe in. Um, and then like the thought about having to let them go uh, because um, you weren't able to, you know, do part of your job, right? Which is like you know making sure there's money in the company. You know, yeah. that's that's part of the job of every co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, that was really tough. Like, I was, I was just like sleepless, uh, mm-hmm. just constantly you, emailing. You ended up raising money, right? After that, and, and tell me more about like. I think you, you sort of have like a unconventional rounds of raising money. How how did you, um, came up yeah. with you know half a million dollar? We're very unconventional in terms of like how we get money because the way we get money, <laughs> it's not through VC, it's not through like, uh, like we're still working on our product market fit. And we don't get a whole lot from our clients either at the moment. Um, the way we've like some money is through a lot of like grants. Um, so we've, like, as a tech company, most of your costs are just people. And we, we were able to apply for a lot of hiring grants um, and utilize all also the government programs out there to hire people to build out our product mm-hmm. um, as well as um, right now we have like a two million dollar contract in the pipeline with the mm-hmm. Canadian government um, mm-hmm. with like engaging youth and volunteerism so uh, we've been kind of because we're so like kind of tech um, we could be B2B but we could also be a technical like B2G as well as like uh, uh, B2C, like because like we built a marketplace and the marketplace is quite flexible. Uh, we've been able to, to to kind of just like tap into everything that we can. Right. Um, so we're kind of opportunistic in that sense. Okay, and and I, I guess through through grants and and a lot of the stuff, usually it's very difficult to raise at the skill that you raised. Did you think that because of the volunteering aspect that you were doing, you were able to raise a lot more? Or do you have any special, you know, techniques or, or ways that you helped you raise so much money? Yeah, we were special because, uh, like, we're not only are we a tech company, but we're a tech company for good. Um, mm. So I think we got a lot of, like, empathy from, like, a lot of, like, grant approvals. Like, we talked to some of our uh, people doing... Um, and of administrating the process, like yeah. we get some recommendations as well mm-hmm. to other grants. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think if you're trying to trying to do something good in the world, a lot of people want to help you, and, and people want to see you succeed. So, uh, yeah, we've been like very much thankful for that, and very much grateful because without the support of those people and the people around us, we wouldn't have been able to get it to this point. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess you've been building meaningful work for um, how long now? Three, three, four years? Two, two three two years. Two years. Two years. A little over two years now. Two, two years and a half. And, and 
you've been through a lot, you know, hiring tens of people, getting, you know, huge amount of money from, from the government and struggling to find for a product market fit, getting new customers, getting paid. What, yep, so going struggling. through that much. <laughs> yeah, getting, getting through so much. How did you think, you know, running a startup changed you as a person in terms of mentalities? Um, yeah, I mean, mentality wise, I think the more stress, like one thing I'm like starting to learn is like the more stress you put into your life, you got to like balance that out. Like mm-hmm. for me, like I work out like every day and mm-hmm. like on average, I work out for two hours just like, mm-hmm. just because like stress levels time to time. If I'm even more stressed, like I'll go out for a run. Um, so like, that's like something that I've learned. It's like whatever input and output, like you got to balance things out in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, like for, for us, like what we're doing is like, it's, it's, it's really hard because not only a marketplace and we deal with like the chicken and egg problem of like, do we get like nonprofits first, companies first, or volunteers first, as well as like, we're, we're a tech company, but we're like a tech company for good. Um, so if you're doing anything like for good or like social impact, we're always seen as a bit of a nice to have rather than like a must have. So like the mm-hmm. whole like vitamin versus painkillers. Um, because it was so hard, I feel like anything I can do, I, anything I do now, I feel <laughs> like it's sure. Like I haven't, you yet like meaningful work hasn't found its its, it's success in terms of like, uh, as a business. Like we haven't made uh, as much money as we would have liked to. But because mm-hmm. we like try to tackle such a hard issue, and we try to tackle, um, we did we did a lot of experimenting. I feel like one if I were to like do another startup, um, I like to think that maybe it might be a little bit easier uh, mm-hmm. and a little bit less challenging, mm-hmm. and perhaps those are like, you know maybe it will be a little bit more closer to success. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, I feel I feel yeah. invincible sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess yeah, like going through challenges and, and challenging yourself so much it's um it sort of builds confidence just just like how you started dancing you know after going through dancing in front of so many people you automatically build those confidence into yourself and um you know it, it really helps you later on in your life to to be um you know to care less and i, I yeah. guess that was the same for for meaningful work and um and 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 I want to know because you you already started an initiative to to bring good to the society by promoting volunteering to a lot of the companies organizations and um, I guess in, in in the in the future in the long term, um, what do you see yourself doing? Do you still um, want to be in the volunteering space or do you want to do any goods or or whatever? What do you want to do in the in the in the long term? Yeah, I want to be in the VC space. Mm-hmm. Um. But VCs, like anything, anything investment related, gets a bad rep because all you care about is money. Um, so maybe it's like a mix of VC slash foundation because I definitely want to put money and make money back. But at the same time, like I want to be able to put money and do things that matter to us as a society, but mm. may not provide like economic value. Mm. Uh, which I think is such a shame because like, there's a, there's a lot of like good research ideas or a lot of ideas that could be potentially like pursued um, that won't particularly make a lot of money, yeah. but it would provide so much value in other parts of our life. Uh, so that's what I want to be doing. It's like I want to be I want to have that fucking money where it's just like uh, nothing matters, right? Like fucking money, just money. It's it's nothing to you. It's just it's, it really becomes just a tool which I think is the way we should see it. But uh, by being able to have fucking money, you can make more money. But I think really at the core of it, uh, I want to be able to invest it into areas where I truly believe that uh, there should be a little bit more progress uh, in different areas of our life. Yeah. Yeah. I think you truly cares about bringing good to society, doing so much volunteers. And what if you you have thought about it, what what are some areas that you're really – passionate about and and you think needs more attention on yeah i mean a part of that's really like i mean what what does it mean to be an entrepreneur what does it mean to be uh, a person in the society i think all of our goals on individualistic and collective collective effort should be put into like you know the world's full of suffering right everything's mm-hmm. hard uh and obviously the older generation thinks 
the new things that are hard now are not hard anymore. But whatever whatever challenges that we face, it's like, how can we make it so those challenges are not faced by the next generation? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's how, as us people, we, we continue to um, move forward, you know, right. as humanity. Right. Um, for me, at, at the current state, at the, at the moment, um, I love to, like, find more ideas on how to bring people together yeah. in person. Because we lost that component, as well as I want, I want a better. I'd love to see, or like further look into, like what what does the modern day place of dialogue look like? The olden days, a place of dialogue may may have been, um, what's that? What's like an open space in the middle of the city? Um, but anyways. I'm kind of getting mixed up here. Like we, our, like today's today's society doesn't have a place uh, that we can come together and have serious conversations and dialogue. Mm-hmm. Sure, Reddit Reddit could be one place, and Quora oh, yeah. or or online, um, mm-hmm. but it's not that serious, right? There's so much banter. Um, church, church. I don't know. Like, what's yeah. what's the modern version of a place of dialogue today, where where we set boundaries, right? Because I feel like society has, has a lot of like gray areas of like what you can do and what you can't do. Yeah. Like what, what yeah, where can we have serious dialogue? I don't it's know. Kind of like like of, right? Therapy but you pay for that or like a, a drag a drug uh, rehab where people talk about how they, you know, what they, what they went through and struggle. That that's sort of the only places but but yeah, that that's not what, you know, average normal right. people Right. Go through. Yeah. Well, that's that's like a one-on-one basis, but how how do we create a place of dialogue for like for society? It's definitely not like the UN, right? Because like not everyone can talk at the UN. Yeah. It's, like maybe city halls, like maybe maybe city halls is where we define societal values. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's def- I don't know. Is it parliament? It doesn't seem like it. Like, where can we have a casual but serious dialogue on like the upcoming Maybe issues? Adam Newman is building it. He's building flow. You is might it? be creating a community uh, that brings people together, like what he did uh, in in terms of workspace, like we work. But I don't know, like how 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 did that concept's gonna work? He's basically gonna create a like a sort of close net community where um, residential people who lives in there can have a serious place where they can network, share, um, you know, share their living spaces. Um, they have really nice facilities. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, he's doing that to help that, you know, create those communities right now. But yeah, yeah. That, that's just a concept. Maybe I'll go work for him. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, he, that's kind of what just I'm raised, raised huge amount of money. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, must be nice. Yeah, must be nice. Couldn't be us. <laughs> one yeah. day yeah and uh and finally last question so um what would be your advice right now for any young and ambitious people gen z gen zers who want to start their business just do it like stop thinking about it everyone thinks for everyone thinks too much and i was telling my grandma this like because she's so afraid of getting sick and like diseases and i was telling her like Thinking too much itself is a disease. It's almost like a parasite that eats you away from taking any action. So if you're sitting on something, you're thinking, you're like, oh, you want to kind of try it, like you're unsure and you have like all these uncertainties, like just shut that part of the brain down and just do it. And then once you start doing it, you'll have answers to all those uncertainties. It's such a weird, it's such a cliche thing to say. Everyone you talk to says it. It's so fucking annoying. But all these cliche like really make sense. Like once you start getting, once you start doing things out in the world, like all these cl- cliche things and advice, like like you're you're like wow, okay, it really makes sense. Like yeah, you should just do it. Like this is why Nike's is motto is just do it, right? Just do it. Um, and then like yeah, just do it, and then figure out the rest later. Um, don't don't get don't get stuck. Don't let yourself be the person that stops you from doing something. I see that mm-hmm. happen so often. Yeah. Um. All my friends are like, oh, like, like, because like I run, you know, I do business, I run startups, and like, I'm 
people are always like, oh, like, Licha, I have this idea. Like, I want to try this out. And, and I'm just like, okay, why, why aren't you doing it? And they're always just like, oh, like, I'm not sure if it's going to work out or, oh, like, I don't know how much money I need or if I have the money to do it. It's like, it's like, okay, like, what have you started, right? It's just like, just do it first and then, and then we can, we can figure out the rest later. It's like, but I always tell them, I don't think any of them actually started, but yeah. Yeah, you gotta. You just gotta execute. That's my advice. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you are the biggest, biggest enemy of yourself. No other people will stop you from what you're doing. Same goes for businesses. I, I, because uh, I used to run a grocery delivery company, and I remember, you know, a lot of VCs or a lot of people were asking me about competition because it's a really competitive space. And um, I talked to one of my competitors actually, and I asked him, "Did you worry about any competition?" He said, "No." The, the thing that will kill you is not your competitors, it's yourself. It's how you manage the team, how you spend the money, how you, you know, do yourselves. It's not the competition that's going to kill you, it's yourself. So I really agree with what you said. Just go for it. Um, you know, don't, don't let yourself be the one that stops you and, and uh, just, just get started, man. There's no excuse. Yeah. Don't kill yourself. That's the message yeah. of the day. Yeah. I like that. All right, man. Thank you so much, Thank man. you. Thanks for having Thank me. You. I was so excited about that. I have a special bonus for you today. The following is our chit chat before our actual podcast. We've discussed our perspectives on how important it is to take risks as young adults starting off their career. Please enjoy. The way yeah. that I've set, I used to do a bit of streaming, right? So the way I've set up everything is like very complicated. So when oh, I passed it, you do streaming? Different platforms, I did a little bit. I like only do it for fun if my friends just want to watch the game that I'm playing. But like okay. now, it's just like anytime I'm doing, uh, anytime I'm on a different platform, I have to like sit down and like spend a good five minutes and make sure I like plug everything in correctly. So oh, that's so why you have all the like independent cameras, the microphones, all the streaming yeah. devices and shit. I have two webcams on me. I have what the fuck? like I I have this mic. Damn, and that's lit, man. Uh, You're the first first guest that has an actual mic. All the other oh, really? motherfuckers, their 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 uh their sounds like <laughs> sounds really shitty, man. I hope you hopefully you cut that out. Yeah, <laughs> man. Do, do, do I sound good? You sound fine. You sound perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not from and, the AirPod. I don't think so. Oh, is it not? What are you using? Oh, you bought the uh, yeah, you bought the Yeti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah I, I have this, and then like I have a couple like different lightings around me that like if I'm doing like serious interviews that I put on. But I mean, I'm just using my desk light for now, which is like this bar that I move around. Jesus, yeah. bro. Damn. How there's there's no like AC in uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, air conditioning is not a popular concept until probably this year. So. It's hot in my room right now, that's for sure. That's a problem I'm dealing with right now. It's like, I don't know if you, do you, do you get like agitated too or angry when you're no. like, when it's hot? Uh, I don't really? know. I never experienced that, man. I've been uh, having uh, AC all my life. Yeah, it's been fuck too cold, you. actually. Okay, but for me at least, like, I, like, man, when I'm just like hot, I'm so like easily frustrated. And I think like that's like the downside of like my summer. It's like I should have just bought an AC, just bite you the bullet on set. You could have go to the like a uh, library or or a coffee shop or something. But I it have I have, have all this setup, man. Like how I can't. It's not the same. Yeah. That's um. True. But I'm trying to get to a point where like I I don't know. Maybe I want to sell all of this, everything that I have, and just work on really? my laptop. Because uh, like, it's easier. I was Kanye was talking about this. Like Kanye said, like. Oh, like people are like, oh, Kanye, like, what home do you live in? And it's like, he like pulled up his backpack. He's like, this is my home. Like, everything I have and everything I own is like within this bag. And that's how he kind of defined what his home is. And like, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, we're young. We should be moving around a lot and meeting a lot of new people. Yeah. If I have a thousand clothes and like a heavy computer and all that stuff, it's like, that's, that doesn't allow me to take risks. And I feel yeah. like it's like the perfect age to do, the, do that, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be 35. Like, I'm not going to be in my 30s or 40s. I'm not, 
and like be like sleep on your couch, right? I can only yeah. I I almost feel like I can only do that when I'm like in my twenties, which I'm a little bit afraid of. But you, you know, you know, home. Elon he used to own huge mansions, but he sold it because he said in an interview that uh, physical assets and ownership drag him down because he 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 have the feeling of okay, I own this stuff, I got to take care of it, and I got to be in it. But in, in fact, he should be spending his time in the factory and making sure this company is running. That's why he sold everything. He doesn't own any property. He doesn't own any mansions. He lives in a very small box uh, yeah. right beside the factory, which allow him to focus you know, on, on the <laughs> project that he does. It's kind of crazy. And he's uh, 40. He's almost 50. He's 50 something. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, why he doesn't. He, he divorced with his wife. <laughs> you don't want to do that, too. Yeah, that's like making a lot of sense to me now, too. Like things holding you back. Okay, if if uh if assets are holding you back, you sell your assets, right? Yeah. Most people, when when like if their wife is holding them back, they usually leave in. <laughs> Dude, like seasoned entrepreneurs don't give a fuck. They're just like, oh, you're holding me yeah. back. See you. Yeah. Like, yeah. They sell, like they divorce their wife. They don't like, sell their wife though. <laughs> they divorce their like assets. Like it's like okay, quick. I, it almost seemed like it's a, like a very easy decision for them. I'm sure it's not, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. Something I've been thinking about, just like, yeah, like how how do I make sure I continue to take risk and like not be tied down? Because like, I think just look at my room. I have a lot of stuff in here. Probably a lot yeah. of stuff like tying me down, right? So yeah, that's true, yeah. man. And uh, you're trying to move out soon. Fuck, I want to move out. That no? I feel like that's like uh, I've developed this bad habit of like wanting comfort through COVID. Um, because COVID, I was thinking about this too, like. I was I was like oh like you know you go back to the mall like no one's really wearing masks anymore and just like oh maybe like COVID didn't really have an impact mm. in the world that we live in, mm. but then again I go back and I like, see my grandparents and they're so fearful of getting sick and like they're very cautious, like oh wow I could see like how much like COVID has impacted in a sense that people are like less risk taking they want more mm. comfortable lives, mm. and like I'm trying to like re. I'm trying to pull myself back to a pre-COVID level where I'm just like, like, like what, what are you afraid of? Like, you're young. You're like, if you, if you hurt yourself, if you break a bone, you recover in about like six, eight months. Like, this is the risk. Like, this is the age that we can take as many risks as possible. Right. What did, like, even like, even last month, I was like thinking like, or even just a couple of weeks, I was just like, fuck it. Like, I, I didn't get into the fellowship that we talked about. Yeah. Um, and I was like, fuck it, maybe I should just go. Like I have like what? Like six, seven thousand dollars. Maybe I'll just like have enough rent for three months. I'll live off like food scraps and I'll just figure my shit out there. And I just like I saw myself like constantly like stopping myself. I'm just like, oh like okay, what about the fourth month? I'm just like Fuck the fourth month, man. I'll like probably figure it out. But I don't know. I I feel like I got into this like, bad habit of like take like slowing myself down a little bit and then just like really like being like too cautionary. Cause, you know, I I could probably figure it out. Yeah, like, like right. It's like three months. Like that's so much time, dude. If you're yeah. jerking off for three months, dude, you you can do anything. Like you can, <laughs> I don't know, you, you could do yeah, it. I was, I was, because someone mentioned to me that you know, in fact, a lot of people, um, they're they're being a digital nomad. They can literally travel everywhere and have a job. And I was considering my situation, and I was like why can't I do that? Like, and I told my mom about him. My mom was like, why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Cause, Cause I think spending a lot of time with our parents, they're, they're sort of risk averse. They're at a point in their life where stability is what they're looking for. But in our, we're in our twenties and I think we tend to seek risk. And I, I think that's one of the biggest characteristics of entrepreneurs as well. Um, the reason why we started our business, our companies is because um, we want to do something different. We want to, um, seek the reverse or the opposite of comfort we want to challenge ourselves and and right. i think you know that this is the characteristics that entrepreneurs exhibit and it is the time to do it you know we, we should be more yeah. risky um so exactly the reason why it's important to have like friends like yourself right yeah it's like when i talk to all my friends right now they're very much like oh like oh like everyone's like don't get me wrong everyone in their 20s is getting their life together but like a lot of my friends are very like careful, like, oh, I don't want to move out yet. Like I wanna pay all my loans out. Maybe I'll get married and then move out. Like everyone's just very like 
tippy-toeing around like the concept of i don't know if it's growing up moving out like kind of like you know like going yeah. moving forward towards what they want yeah. But I think like that's why, at least for me, it's like it's so important to have friends like yourself, as as well mm-hmm. as like many other entrepreneurs, especially that EO group, because like it it inspires me to take more action rather than like because we we're always like stuck in our thoughts and we're just like yeah yeah oh man like should I should I do it should I do it and you don't yeah. end up doing it and then you live life like never knowing yeah. what it could have been yeah. so yeah yeah thank you man like likewise I think. That this is the reason also why I'm I'm doing this podcast to talk to like-minded people and and get inspired and hopefully inspire others as well. Like I think, you know, our entrepreneur community is really about support and how we can help each other. And just by talking, sharing our mentality can literally help each other. That, that's that's yeah. that's really simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's such a stupid easy concept, right? All you have to yeah. do is share, yeah, and then pe- people help. Pe- people get inspired. Yeah. It's like when you don't share and you bottle things up, it's just like yeah. you implode. Yeah. Anyways. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ideas Can't Wait Podcast. If you have taken something away from this episode and really enjoyed our conversation, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on wherever you're listening or watching. It will help this podcast to reach more like-minded people like you. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.